What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hi, you guys. It's Arden. Oh, my goodness. We saved one of the best ones for a little bit later in our Feeling Thorny uh, episodes because we knew that this is... When I say this is a fan favorite, I do not underestimate. Dr. Tana Banana, would you agree Like that this is somebody that when we do live shows, people are clamoring to see? Yes, she is a superstar. I'm going to actually quote our Patreon, uh, the the, uh, Bachelorette New Zealand guys, and say she's a legend. She's a full legend. She is a legend. Before we get too far into it, I'm just going to do a little bit of, just a little, will you accept this rose housekeeping up top? We just so appreciate all of you that have gone on the ride with us. Um, you, you have, I asked for some more likes on iTunes. We're trying to get to a thousand. We're not now up to 754. And that is a bunch more than we had a couple days ago. So again, if you haven't liked us yet on iTunes, we really appreciate it. So we're going to keep putting up our feeling thorny episodes. We have a few more, which is super fun. And They've been inspired. I and honestly, if I stand a chance of getting on the New York Times bestseller list with my upcoming memoir, Little Miss Little Compton, uh, it's because of you guys. I ha- you've all really risen to the challenge, and we appreciate that. And as such, you are all invited. And tell your family and friends, everybody's invited. We are doing a virtual book release party slash variety show. Um, it's $5 to come. It's live and you can email us. You can sort of message us as we're going. We can like respond and interact with you. It is Saturday, September 26th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And the good thing about it's with Dynasty Typewriter, which is this really cool theater in Los Angeles that we did our draft picks last winter for those of you who who came or listened, but they're this, they, they are so great. And, they it's they actually it feels like even though it's it's not doesn't feel like a zoom link it's literally like you get a full show experience and right now we have lined up Lauren Lopkis who's a 
fan of The Bachelor and a friend of the show. You might know her as The Wrong Missy in the movie The Wrong Missy. Isn't she so great in that, Anna? She killed She's hilarious. Me. She's so hilarious. That's the David Spade movie that Adam Sandler produced that's on Netflix. She's also on Orange is the New Black. She was in Jurassic World. She was on the uh, show Crashing. She was on Big Bang Theory. So she is, um, she and I are sort of hosting it together. And then we have a couple very special guests so far lined up. We have Mr. Brian Sofi will be appearing. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, you might know him from our podcast but he's also the host of throwing shade and he's the co-host of ask rana with rana and brian which is a brilliant podcast that i just love so much that i've been on i it's hilarious he's so freaking funny isn't he Anna? one of the funniest truly one of the funniest uh, he's also on 911 on fox with uh jennifer jennifer i was about to say jennifer lawrence Jen, Jayla, jennifer, love, jennifer love jennifer love hewitt the jennifer lawrence Classic. of uh, fox shows but uh, another thing that we want to tell you, so we're not going to, we're going to take a break so I can launch my book. We're not going to be watching a new show right now before Claire's season. So we are putting up new episodes with the Feeling Thorny episodes. But if you're jonesing and you're like, Arden, it's a pandemic. I'm in trouble. The good news is any episode, any season that we watch, it would have already aired. It would have already happened. So if you want more on our Patreon, We are currently doing Bachelorette New Zealand. We also have past seasons of Bachelor Australia, uh, Bachelorette Australia, Bachelor. We did Love is Blind. We're doing Real Mm -hmm. Housewives of New York and um, Bachelor in Paradise season one and two of Bachelor Australia. And what's so fun about that is uh, HBO Max actually now finally is starting to air some of these seasons so it's easier for you to watch like on your couch you can also watch them on bachelorarchive.com but um, HBO Max is putting up with Anna and I think is the best season I've ever seen of the franchise Bachelor in Paradise Australia season one there's mm-hmm. like three couples that are like Carly and Evan and we break it down every episode with Brian Safi, who's going to be at our live show, the book release party, and it's going to be a real party. And if you want to listen along, you go back to 2017, and the first episode is called Riding the Bipolar High. What can you tell our fans about that Patreon experience, Anna? Well, one, we were, oh man, we were so young then when we recorded it. We were so I was free. 11. Yeah, like we were really, truly having fun. It was our first experience with like an Australian series, and it was truly blowing us away like we loved it and i i wish i wish to get that kind of joy back in life you know us trying to do all the accents brian squinching his eyes closed trying to do the (laughs) accents i mean so fucking joyful if you guys are in need this is the this is the podcast equivalent of like a cocktail or a prozac or a good Mm -hmm. meditation i don't know where your sobriety issues are i'm not trying to push anything on anyone um And in conclusion, I will say what's very fun and cool about the Dynasty Typewriter book party. So we also have another person. So we've got me, Lauren Lopkus. We have uh, Brian Safi and Bachelor of the Year. Rob Benedict is going to come on. He's going to, to like chat with us, tell a story. And he's going to, I've requested 
um, a specific song, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it might be a Katy Perry cover because J.J. Marine loved Katy Perry, and he's agreed to learn. I asked between Katy Perry. My mom loved Katy Perry, and she loved Britney Spears. He picked Katy Perry, and he is going to close out the show with a Katy Perry cover. There's also going to be some special surprise guests. So get your tickets now. It's $5. It's on our Facebook page. Literally, it's a fun. It's at 5 p.m. Pacific on September 26th. The link will be up for a week. So even if you can't join live, you can enjoy it afterwards. And if you, they have a bundle going that if you get your book through there, um, we've partnered with Skylight Books in Los Feliz, California, and they're doing a thing where you can get a custom signed book plate. So if you're like, I want to get my friend Mary a book plate for her birthday, I can sign out, Dear Mary, Happy Birthday. So you can order and you can tell me who to make it out to. I will sign a book to you or a loved one. Or if you're like, Arden, I don't want to come to your show. I just want a book plate and I want a bag. For I don't even know if they have the bags left, but the, the website would tell you. For the first 250 people, who get for the price of the book, you get a Little Miss Little Compton tote bag and a signed book plate. Um, and then the second 250 is just a signed book plate. You can go to ardenmarinebook.com. It's also on our Facebook page, but A R D E N M Y R I N book.com and uh, get that there. Without further ado, this person that we're breaking down in this episode of Feeling Thorny is our Secretary of State, Paget Brewster. Anna, this episode is fascinating. It was fascinating to hear from Paget and get to know her more. We went yeah. to the same high school and we tell a crazy story about our art teacher that allowed nude models. <laughs> and I've never met somebody in Los Angeles. I've done this a long time. I've never met somebody that actually almost like a 1950s old fashioned movie star where yeah. they're like, we're going to make you a star, kid. Like, she literally is the only person I know that Hollywood just decided they went out of their way to make her a star. And it was fascinating to talk to her. Tana, what did you think? That's, I mean, it makes sense because Paget is a star and everything about her, like, I, I mean, I was somewhat not surprised. I was like, yes, makes sense. She was this beautiful young woman. She was, she, Hollywood was dying for a Paget Brewster. Yes. And Hollywood was like, we know there's not going to be another one. Like, this is it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've gotten some really great responses. I love that people are enjoying the Feeling Thorny episodes. Um, they're a little more... Look, I, I feel like in these times like this, we have our fun, crazy parties, but it's also nice just to get a little bit grounded and get to know who you're listening to. And we hope it makes you guys feel connected and, and that you enjoy it and... We can't wait to be back breaking down some people falling in love in 190 degree heat, quarantined in a bubble somewhere yeah. deep, deep in the desert. But uh, we really appreciate all of your support. And we hope you come to our party, our book release party. Um, and you can message us as we're going. So, like, we, we want to feel like we're at a live show because we have the best live shows with you guys. Yeah. Sorry. So right. Come right. hang out. So please come hang out and tell your friends. It doesn't matter what time zone you're in. Any time zone. Okay. Bye. Welcome to Will You Accept This Rose, a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, oh, my God. We're back. Yeah. We're back in our Hold safe place. It's the same pod. Yeah, yeah. It's the same pod, but it's an offshoot. Oh, interesting. It's an offshoot. Yeah. It's a bonus offshoot. Will you accept this rose? This feels right. I don't know what's what. I think I just saw 
played on the podcast before, but God, he did such a good job. But wait, there's somebody else talented out there, and his name is Avery. <laughs> what? You know what time it is. What? It's time for Arden to get a little close. Oh, what's this? And a little thorny. Oh, well, Arden's gonna go one-on-one. Gonna be high energy fun. Yes. Combos yeah. are gonna be super real. Okay. She wants to get with you in all the fields. Feeling thorny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is a feeling thorny. Feeling thorny. Feeling thorny. Feeling thorny. Feeling thorny. With Aden Marie. Yeah. That's it. Thorny. Great. Oh my God. Hello. Thank you very much, Avery Pearson. Welcome Great. to a very special episode of Will You Expect This Rose Bonus Offshoot Feeling Thorny. My name is Arda Marine, and I am so happy to be doing a Feeling Thorny with a very special person. She's in the clubhouse today. She's looking so cute in oh. her winter wear. Oh. She's showing up looking so cute in her jeans that cannot possibly be right, A jeans. They're they too, are. They can. Yes, they not. are. No. Possibly the no right, ladies and gentlemen. You may know her from the Will You Accept This Rose franchise. You may know her from Criminal Minds. Maybe you may know her from another period. Maybe. You may know her from Thrilling Adventure Hour. I know her as my friend, Secretary of State Paget Brewster. It's me. Hi, Paget. Hi, Arnie. How oh, are this you? This is so exciting. Now, for those of you out there who are like, "Wait, what is this?" For those of you who don't know, I have a book coming out. This fall, and there is a link up right now, so you can pre-order your book. And the reason I'm doing this this podcast is the the process of writing it. It was about my my childhood and growing up and my life now. But I felt like it, it forced me to take a look at myself and my adolescence and whatnot. And I it was an interesting process, and I wanted to get to know the people that are on our podcast and hear like what made you you that's why we're doing that i see so if you're out there you know what please just go pre-order pre-order the book right just go on amazon can i pre-order kindle yeah candle Candle? little miss little compton um so pageant brewster hello welcome you and I, first of all, you're you are you're wearing adorable jeans. You say they're always from they're, Rite Aid. These are Rite Aid jeggings. How much do they cost? I think they're seventeen ninety nine. Can you stand up for one second? Yeah. Can I look at these? Yeah. Do you only wear Rite Aid jeans? Well, they're no. so. I get the nice ones now. Look, fake pocket, fake pocket, fake fly, real pocket, real pocket. And they are so cute. They're just comfy. How many pairs do you own? Um, I have three of these because mm-hmm. I did, I did, you know, sometimes I stain them and now I'm old and wealthy enough to donate those and get a new pair. Do they writing. come in like a box or in yeah. a hanger? No, it's like a plastic hanger and a a, a piece of cardboard around it. Like you get tights, it at Rite Aid. Like tights. They're like, like pairs. They're tights. called Rite Aid jeggings. They're Rite Aid brand jeggings. Well, no, they're not Rite Aid brand. They might be No Nonsense. I want to say they're okay. made by No Nonsense. I, that's where, I only wear No Nonsense socks. They're the best socks. They're great. I also want to tell you, staring at your beautiful lashes, that you told me to get 
um, Revitalash. Revitalash. And I had to have it shipped to New York yeah. to my brothers. Yeah. And I did. And I went and got my hands on it. And my la- I've, I've gotten lots of compliments. My lashes... Now is, I'm I'm a little worse for the wear today, but they've got they've no, been no they growing. have gotten longer. They, they, they've You're right, gotten longer. They have. they've gotten longer. Wow. I mean, how long do you do you do it every day? Uh, I do it every day. I haven't done it every day. Well, they say you can do it every other day, and there are days when I forget, so it probably equals out to every other. I got to start doing it every day. But but here's the thing: I've been noticing that they're curling because I'm falling asleep. On, they're so long that I'm falling asleep on them. Yeah, and then they're curling. They're amazing. So some of them are straight and then some of them are curling. So it is definitely a process. How to... short were they to begin with? I, I don't remember. Honestly, I've been doing this 10 years. I'm going to do it. I don't remember. Uh, did, did it happen right away or did it take a couple of weeks? For me, it took nothing happened for two weeks and then I woke up and they were long. I haven't. I'm prone to getting styes. So I, when I, I've noticed my – I keep threatening to grow a sty. So I haven't been doing it every day. No, 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 no. You should be careful. Yes. So I'm prone to – my eyelid loves to grow a sty. So I am sort of would say I've been inconsistent with it. But, but, but it's but, working. But then it's do working. it. Then don't. Then do exactly what you're it's doing. It's been inconsistent, but it's been working. Okay, Paget. first of all, such a treat, such a joy to get to know you on the podcast, can I say, because I've known you for a long time, but actually mm-hmm. so nice to get to know you. And here's what's interesting. Paget grew up, so we talked about in the Aaron Foley episode, we'll air Paget's after, like I got shipped away to boarding school because my town didn't have a high school and Paget grew up on the campus? Yes. And went to the school. What building did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in Clayhouse. So this was in Concord, Massachusetts. It's a school of 300 people in the woods. My mother took out a mortgage, like a third mortgage to send us. She said she was going to run out of money for college, which she did. She was like, you need to get a good education. I didn't get a good education. I'm sending you to boarding school. Um, you grew up in Clayhouse. That was a boys dorm. It was a boys' that was like dorm. The nerdy boys Correct. Dorm. It was like the science boys' dorm. I think I- so. Yeah, because the science teacher was the other apartment in the dorm. What was it like growing up on the campus of a New England boarding school? Uh, well, I mean, it was fantastic. Was it? Yeah, because it was my brother and I, and all of the other faculty kids. There yeah. were a bunch of kids our age. A- we're in a completely safe environment. You, the, truly, the prettiest. That movie, School Ties. School Ties was shocking. School yeah. Ties. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like a perfect campus around the circle in the woods near Walden Pond. Yeah. There's a ch- church and a big it's, circular, the dining hall, and then there's It's near like Brigham. Little Women. Like picture Little yeah. Women, but like in-, in This like, was the town where Little Women- Yeah. Li- where Louisa May Alcott lived. So would you just go out and play with all the other kids? Yeah, and, then- and we had- an ice skating rink, and we had a library right. and a pond, right. and a, we had playing fields and tennis courts. Were and you born? We had a dining that hall. Where you got brought home from yeah. the hospital? So that's where you. No, I think actually my dad was working for my my mother's father in banking, and he hated it. And so once I was born, my dad said to my mom, "I just want to teach." Wow. And my mom did too. So. Uh, he got a job at Middlesex yeah. as an English teacher. Great. And then he started coaching. He was the coach for uh, hockey and soccer and crew. Okay. That, I mean, those um, are big sports. There. Yeah. And my mom uh, was the uh, ceramics teacher. Wow. Okay. Did you – I have so many questions. Did you – Eat at the dining hall. Yes, we did. Every night. No, not every night because my mom started becoming a really experimental cook 
around, I would say when I was 10 or 11 and my brother was seven or eight. Was it fun to eat at the dining hall? Oh, it was the best. Yeah. In what way? Well, uh, first of all, it felt like if you're a little kid and you're in a, a, a you know, a cafeteria, like, it's yeah. all students. Some of them are your babysitters yeah, and like you know teens. all the teachers and you know all the other kids who are growing up on the campus. Yeah. So it felt like a party and you get in line and you get, I mean, I, to this day, a cafeteria is so satisfying I to love me. a cafeteria. I love a buffet. I like I, a I love cheap, it. like a cheap Buffet. I cafe. love it. I like a, like a soup plantation. Yeah, I love it. I want to get a a bunch of little things that yes. I can. I, I I I loved being able to go to the cafeteria. But when we went with our parents, if we had to sit with our parents and our parents made us get you know a bunch of vegetables that we didn't want, yes, there was actually in the dining hall at Middlesex, the walls are lined with what is the senior project. Bef- when a senior graduates from Middlesex, they have to carve a little um, wooden plaque, eight by eight inch wooden plaque with yeah. a depiction of something or, you know, something that yeah. represents them. And those are the entire, you know, floor to ceiling of this very, very large it's dining like Hogwarts. Hall. Yeah, exactly. And that is kind of what it looks like. It looks like Hogwarts. There was one carved the, the the senior had carved a brick wall with a hole in it, right? As if the brick wall had yeah. had crumbled through. And all of the faculty kids, we would throw all the vegetables we didn't want into that hole yes. in the wall. And after a few years, they had to tear out that part of the wall and mm-hmm. dig out all the di- – it was disgusting. It was really said, disgusting. I remember when I went to school there, and I will not say her name, but there was a – girl who got kicked out she was like a rich new yorker and she oh, yeah. she went she went nuts she had like a she had like a mental break one night uh-huh. and she broke out of her dorm she was a senior and i was a sophomore and she um she broke into the main like academic building i forget the name of it what was that building whatever the whatever the big the building. big main building the big like main the administration building. Yeah. building and she went downstairs and in all the plaques she shoved like kielbasa sausage <gasps> like in the holes of the plaques she like shoved all the sausages in all the holes and then she went into the girls room and she shoved sausages in all of the toilets like 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 like, like fistfuls of sausages in all the toilets and flushed all the toilets so it flooded with sausages and the holes what? of the plaques and she got sent she got expelled um and she like wrote all the shit but it was like she was I just remember her jamming sausages in all the holes if that's not the most sexually repressed I mean that's Anna wow. looks shocked Anna what are your thoughts why I think it's such an uptight place and if like you're she wasn't super cool she wasn't like like I didn't fully fit in there I mean it's a very preppy school and I think I think she just maybe was acting out like Fuck this place. But she acted alone. Like she did that alone. Well, that's, I mean, here's the thing. I was asked to leave. Yeah, you were. In my sophomore year. I I was failing because I was trying to fit in. But a lot of the students, and I went there before you did because I'm a a couple years older than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the kids there were very, very wealthy. So South American There were kids from China and England, Uh, and we had a lot um, of New Yorkers. Yeah, it was a lot of New Yorkers. They were so gossip girls. Their parents just their parents almost had kids because they were supposed to. Is what it felt like, and so these kids were so 
they were acting out and they were lonely and yeah. rich and there were a lot of drugs yeah and a lot of drinking and sometimes these kids would a helicopter would land right in no. the middle in front of the oh, church and that. pick up the new york kids I one by one that. fly to new york and they'd be dropped off on sunday that. night i never had we didn't so have that that girl might have been just that was just a desperate cry oh, for, for sure. attention oh, from for her sure. parents for sure well we didn't have helicopters that's crazy it, yeah Wow. It, it was wild. There were uh, the, the heirs of everything. I mean, we had, huge corporations. These kids were going to school at Middlesex. I remember there were, you know, because we didn't have that money. And I remember the beauty. Yeah, of, neither did we. Well, neither the, did the, my family. The beauty of a boarding school is like nobody knows what your house looks like. And nobody like, like we all knew who all the rich people were because they only hung out with each other. Right. But. Um, you could kind of hide stuff because nobody knows your house, your family. Like nobody knows anything but about you. It's like college kind of. Mm-hmm. But I do remember going to um, uh, graduation parties and, and just the size of these houses. Like somebody at the time, it was like the 90s and like somebody hi- like somebody's family hired Blues Traveler, which was like the oh band at the God. time. And like Blues, like the drummer was like hitting on one of the girls. You know, it's just like who hires like wow. I, I kind of felt like the parents might have been in the mob. It felt like a mob. It felt like a Locust Valley mo- mafia situation. It was just like it was so crazy. Mm-hmm. One kid's parent owned the biodome. It was mm-hmm. <laughs> it was nuts it was not okay so you grew up you grew up on that campus in the dorms yeah and was i mean it's also surrounded by teenagers Mm -hmm. was that formative like how did that like how to me teenagers are so exciting and like did, did you sort of watch them were you aware or was it more just about the other kids the other faculty kids like when were you sort of watching the teenagers i probably probably when i you know 12 13 and then i was going to school there when i was 14 i would say 11 12 13 i started paying attention to the students i do remember and i it must have been 1970 1977 the school went coed i think it had only been boys at that point and i was born in 69 yeah. so there were girls in the dormitory yeah and a couple of high school girls got me stoned and I had to have been eight. No. And I remember – I remember smoking Whoa. pot and then watching a girl blow dry her hair for what felt like hours Whoa. and I was so mesmerized. Oh, so there was – Well, there was an element of <clears> – <throat> listen, horrible things could have happened that didn't, thank God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean because we were free. Yes. We were just free to go wherever we wanted. Of course, we couldn't – just go walk around into dorm rooms. But, you know, the teenagers would see kids yes. and be like, come on, come up to my room and hang out. Well, I felt like in – I felt like even, you know, even looking back and writing a lot of my stuff in the 80s, I felt like the – no – they would just take it and rated our movie. Like there, there was no babysitter. The babysitter was the TV. You know, like there's like – you're sort of freer. Like if yeah. you can bike and just come back by dark and like it's very stranger things like like Charlie Brown. I feel like the adults – Oh, yeah. No, the, the adults no, are not – Get on your it. bike. Yeah. And just make sure you're home before yeah. dark and knock on the door when you're home. Yeah. Or be home by 10. Yeah. When I was 13, 14, it was – be. I mean, it, when I was younger, my brother and I would just ride our bikes around. Little kids. Yeah. And and come back at when it's come back when it's sun, when the sun starts setting. I know I was like six or seven. I remember. Yeah, it was I like, mean, we would come back for too. dinner. Yeah, me too. Maybe we'll go to the dining hall. Yeah, or mom would make some weird shit. Yeah, which was great. Did you 
Did you get kicked out? And if so, where did you go? Part of the um, CCHD. Uh, I I went to Conquer Callout Public High. Yeah. yeah. Um, for well, part of the payment, you know, my parents made combined as teachers thirteen thousand a year, I and mean, yeah. it was they, you know, they just weren't their housing was paid for, and we could go to the cafeteria. So yeah. they made they didn't make a living wage technically. If you if you at that time you just that just you wouldn't be able to support a family of four on you know my mom was only allowed to teach for a few years and then they made a rule saying spouses couldn't work and oh God. so part of their payment was if their kids grades were good enough their kids could go to middlesex for free great and middlesex was a great school it right. maybe had some troubled kids but right. they had great teachers yeah. and it was a, a a valuable education yeah so I my grades were good enough. I started attending. I went freshman year, and I was an outcast because my parents were teachers there, right. so everyone knew. You know, I lived in the dorm. Right. It was like no, there's a some, welfare case. There's like, some tough girls. It, yeah, there. It, yeah. I it was certainly tough. didn't fit right in. I yeah. had like three. No, yeah. and it's a tough school. It's not for everyone. <laughs> no, I, no. I, 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 did you graduate from there? I did, but I have to say, like, and I, I I'm have so impressed. I have gone back to a couple. I went to a couple of reunions, and I remember going, oh. I, it wasn't just like it wasn't just that I was sixteen that I didn't fit in, like or that I didn't relate. I'm not. I don't relate. Like I'm not. I was just saying this to Aaron. Like what the beauty of it was. I'm not a lacrosse player or a field. Like my interest. The beauty of them not being interested in any of the stuff I was interested in is nobody wanted. Nobody cared about the theater, so I could just write plays and put them. I had access to stuff that no one was looking at because nobody cared. And about they thought it. it was uncool. It was uncool. It was uncool. What was interesting was the two funniest people that were there with me have gone on to – they've both become – like it's Alex Sulkin who's the sulk who who wrote Ted and he writes for Family Guy. Oh, my God. And then it's John Viner who writes for Family Guy. Like, so it was like the three of us were doing stuff in the theater and then there was all the other jocks. That's but like wild. it's interesting that none of us had any connections, you know, and like – but everybody made it from there which is odd to me your friends i we were like pals and yeah. so it was like the three of us were the ones that were sort of the funny ones but but not john was like the president of the school he was like that but like you know we were like not no we were not the king and queen of the prom no no, no i know yeah. i, I know yeah. exactly yeah. who who they were i yeah. grew up around it and yeah. it was very Preppy. Money-centric and preppy. Old boy. And old boy. Old boy network. And it, it also y- – you I, – I, I, can't, I can't imagine it was different for you than it was, it was for me it was because not. it was just gawky, artsy, yeah, it didn't make outcast, sense outcast, not enough money, mm-hmm. not – you know, I didn't know enough about – there were things like these kids were so rich that they would know about food I'd never heard of. And, yeah. and then I would be an idiot that, I, oh, you've never been to Prague? Like, fucking Prague. No, I know. You know, I you know. just – I know, I know. I, 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 I remember like I'd never heard of like arugula or like balsamic oh, vinegar. something, yeah. You know, you're like, oh my god, like you, you don't eat Catalina dressing and iceberg lettuce. Like, you fancy. Like, it's, I couldn't it, it's, believe- it's wild. Yeah, it was just fully, a different world. I completely. We were Stouffer's like mm-hmm. like a fancy night was like a French bread pizza from <laughs> Stouffer's, which by the way I still love. They're delicious. So I so then you went to you went to Parsons. I did. Well, here's what happened. Just to quickly go through, please. So I I was asked to leave Middlesex. Yeah. I um apply. I, I went to Concord Carlisle Public High School for 
the second half of my sophomore year. That's hard. And then it was hard because they Coming thought I was middle. a rich kid because yeah, exactly. I lived in Middlesex. Win. That's right. So you I was can't just, win. I was just, yeah, you're a snob. Like, just, oh, okay, Middlesex yeah, must be I was nice. Clobbered. How's your mother? Right. Must be real nice, yeah. asshole. Yeah. And then I begged my parents because up until I went to Middlesex, I had gone to all girls' schools because my parents were educators and they they borrowed money from my grandparents. Yeah. They their priority was making sure my brother and I went to the best school possible. That's what my mom did. It was heartbreaking. That's what my mom when did. Middlesex didn't work out yeah. for them because they were hoping so much that, you know, that that would be covered and Yeah. So I begged them to send me back to girls school. Yeah. Um because I had been to private girls schools, day schools up until Middlesex. Then um my the, Shady the girls' Hill? school. I no. I went to a, a girls' boarding school in upstate New York, or well, in Westchester County, New York, in okay. Dobbs Ferry, called the Master School, which okay. is where my mom graduated from. Okay, okay. So, so that was great. I, 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 I enjoyed um, girls' school. You did because the pressure. What's yeah. going on in a in a co-ed school system? I, it just oh. didn't fit for me. No. I didn't fit in. I wasn't. Popular. I wasn't hot. I wasn't part of a couple. I wasn't like no, I just neither. was a fringe me too. Me too. art nerd freak who made her own clothes yeah, out of Goodwill jackets, and yeah, yeah, I made yeah. my own jodhpurs. I wore. I mean, I I would tailor I, men's pants. To there's look like a whole jodhpurs. chapter that I only wore knickers until. I mean, literally, I wore like purple knickers <clears> that was, and then like bowler hats and circle skirts and vests, yep. like. Yeah, it was. You I had like your like own a, style. I had like, like it a time did not traveler. Fit in no, at no, no, no. Yeah. I didn't have like the thin swinging ponytail. Like <laughs> while I played lacrosse. Okay, so so you go to the girls' school. Went to the girls' school. Graduated. Graduated. In Eighty-seven. Okay. And went to Parsons School of Design in New York City. <gasps> studying the following what? Year. For fashion? It was just foundation year. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew. I knew honestly. I. I. I and I still feel bad about this. My parents know. I. I feel guilty about it. I had always been in advanced art classes so yeah. i knew i could get in right at parsons and pratt and, and all the art I, I wanted to be in new york city because i wanted to pursue acting you did and i didn't have the courage to tell my par- parents that i wanted to act because that is it's unheard of i like that art school is the safe choice it's like they call them to somebody going to business oh, yeah. school yeah. like yeah i'm gonna go to art school no, no, art uh, school was okay because my mom's an artist yeah. and a ceramicist yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and uh you know, but that was still like there was still sort of an old patriarchal society that i that my when i was growing up it was coming to an end suddenly in the 70s there were you know divorces in women in the workforce in yeah. a way that hadn't existed before yeah. so when i was a little kid it was assumed that i would go to college for a year or two marry a man reti- you know stop going to school and stay home and raise kids wow. that was the world that i yeah. grew up in yeah 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 and uh, so Going to art school was – I figured they weren't that invested in it because they assumed I would get married. Right, right. And I wasn't invested in it because I wanted to pursue acting and I did and I went around and apologized to all of my teachers at Parsons. OK. So here's a question. Do Before we get to that, do you still make art and what did you make to get in? Like what was your specialty? Oh, I had so many advanced placement art classes and art history and – I loved them. It was uh, – what was my AP? Uh, it was works of art based on specific pieces of music. OK. So they were all each – each art piece 
was really was based on the you know a song one I think there was one Stravinsky fall from the four seasons um pop music that song do you still have any of them no no uh, I, I don't know so how did i don't you know how i got in i got in i don't know how did you start pursuing acting like so did you when did you know you were like when did your secret desire wake awaken inside you well i had been in all of the school plays okay uh at the last two years in at the boarding school at the girls boarding school and my dorm mother's husband are like the dorm father or whatever yeah. he was actually a professional working actor in new york city okay and he had he watched all the plays and he had said to me uh when a, a whole bunch of us were in their house for fondue or i don't know what we were doing yeah. he said i think you really have a gift and you should pursue it that's nice and so i was you know that's all i wanted to do but i knew i had to go to was, college, that, was so. that a present that really like? Do you think oh, yeah. him saying that? Yeah, Dan Daly. I don't, I don't know what he's up to now. He would was you, an actor. In do you New think York. he would have pursued it if Dan Daly hadn't told you that? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I would have. Yeah, because yeah. I knew I wanted to do it. I'd always wanted to do it. So you get to New York. You're at Parsons. I'm going then, to Parsons. I'm living in the George Washington Welfare Hotel on 23rd and Lexington. Wow. And it, the, I had an eight by ten foot room with its own bathroom, though. That's pretty good. Most of the. Um, apartments, apartments in quotes. My friend Chris, you shared a bathroom. She had to share a bathroom yeah. when we worked at Conan. She Down shared a bathroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like one. She had a bed, and then she shared a bathroom. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you. Well, I was also. Uh, my parents paid for my rent, and my my rent and my bills, but I had to buy art supplies. Okay. And that in itself was kind of a racket at Parsons, where a bunch of the teachers had art supply stores in the building right. and you would go to class and they'd say oh everyone has their oh. charcoal number seven and people are like no and they'd say oh go my. downstairs and buy it so all the oh teachers were sending the students to go buy from each other so it was expensive because you you'd have to, to go downstairs and buy a charcoal set or a certain it's like kind going of, to the, of paper it's like going to the airport store yeah exactly you're like a oh, seven dollar yeah, bottle yeah, of water yeah, yeah exactly so i was hostessing at the figaro cafe on 8th Street weekends. 8th and what? I feel it's like I Astor, not Astor Place. It's 8th Street. It's in the West Village. Uh, Figaro Cafe, 8th Street. I feel like I remember that. It's probably still there. Yeah. It had been there since the 40s or something. Okay. So I was hostessing there and then uh, I met a guy in my building and he was going to NYU and they were doing – uh, Hurley Burley through the Circle in a Square Theater. The David Robb play, which is great. Yes. And he was hitting on me. I didn't I didn't get it at the time. He was hitting on me and he said, you should audition. So I auditioned, even though I wasn't part of NYU. I don't I don't even I'm not yeah. quite sure how that how that happened. And I ended up getting the part of Darlene and performing at Circle in the Square. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. In, in in like somehow associated with NYU, which doesn't make sense cuz I had nothing to do with NYU. I was so I I I apologized to all my teachers and I told my parents I was dropping out. What year is this? What's what uh, sophomore year? This was no, this is my freshman. This is my first year. Wow. So this is 6 months in at Parsons. Okay. I've auditioned for for a play, gotten a part and started your, doing it. Was it your first audition? Yeah, it was. 
So you got your first audition. Wait, you got I, the play. I mean, besides school auditions, yeah, it was my first. Yeah, it was my first audition. You're audition. right. I hadn't even That's thought amazing. about that. So you got your first audition. You get the play. You drop out of school. I drop out of Parsons. And how long did the play run for? I mean, uh, you know, a month and a half, two months. Did it not- get? Did it get you an agent? No. Okay. One of the things that I think is so interesting about Paget that I remember meeting you a long time ago, but like you had a, and I don't, I'm, you had a very successful late night talk show called Paget in San Francisco. Yeah. How did, so how did you get okay, from New York so to I'll San Francisco? You, it's, it's, it's so brief. And makes perfect sense. So after Hurley Burley, I still didn't know how to get an agent. I didn't have the courage to tell my parents I wanted to go to acting school. They said, if you drop out of Parsons, you're cut off. I said, okay. I had a boyfriend who was a drummer. We formed a band together. Yeah, you did. We lived together. Uh, I was waiting tables at this point. We played in that band in New York from 88 until 93. I said, to him, uh, we broke up our band. We had a big fight, yeah, and the did. band broke up. And so we, yeah. he, I, I, I kind of wanted. It, it wasn't working out with him. He was from San Francisco. I, I was working two jobs. He didn't work for years. Yeah, and I finally was That's like, oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah, gotta, no. gotta, you guys. Gotta, so let's move to there. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. If they're not, if you're the only one working in your, pe- I dated a guy that I was like, wait, did you just come right here after work? Did you get rid of your part? Like, are you freeloading off of me? Yeah, run. Yeah, just cut and run. Yeah. Okay. Well, do it once. Do it once, yeah. And then don't do it again. Yeah, exactly. So we moved don't to San Francisco. Yeah. We got an apartment. We started to half, half-assedly half try to put another band together. And I broke up with him. And um, I was bartending, um, you know, to pay my rent. I got I had an apartment by myself. An agent hung out at my bar. It was called the Slow Club in Potrero Hill. Very nice, fancy, yeah. upscale, pretty um bar restaurant <clears throat> and this guy Henry Malden hung out at the bar and he I was going to acting school he I kept saying hey why don't you represent me be my agent and finally one day he said okay fine I will send you on three auditions if you get the part if you get it or he said if you get it get the job I'll be your manager I said okay great he sent me on meetings for hosts, correspondents, and anchor people. I didn't know. I was 20. This was 1994. I was 25. Yeah. I didn't know there were different kinds of managers. I thought they were all for acting. Yeah. So I was meeting with people as a host. Right. I was also doing a public access uh, television show called um, Strange America that was just sketches and interviews yeah. and just goofy. Public access used to be like you could yeah, you put, anything. put on whatever yeah. you want. I was doing that with a couple of guys who were in tech. So I, I ended up getting a, a pilot deal to shoot the pageant show Yeah, to host a talk show. You did like 85 episodes. Right? 65. 65. It was 65 episodes. I mean, so were you like, there's oh, one. Crap. There's one like, online. What? Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. So you host, you have a late, you have your own talk show called pageant. The pageant show. What's the format? Like, what is the it's vibe? It's exactly, it's the, it's the exact, the reason why I got that deal was because in 1994, every production company signed anyone in their 20s to host a talk show because Ricky Lake had made 
made so yes. much money for Garth Anseer and Fox. Yes. So every production, I happened to be the one that Westinghouse signed. But there were shows, so many shows, Tempest Bledsoe and Gabrielle Carteris. Oh, my God. And Mark Wahlberg, the one who does Temptation Island. Give us an example so of, like, one episode. Give us one an episode. E- you know, one episode was... I love him. Why do my parents hate him? Oh my God. And so I'd be no. like couples. And so it would be a panel. It would be, you know, it would start with two or three people on the panel. It could get up to 10 or 12 people on the panel on the stage. Yeah. And I was running back and forth so with like, the microphone interview. You know, you're hey, like you Wendy Williams. Kind does of, she ever get up out of that chair? Does though? she? Does she does she she does, no. doesn't she? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. No, 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 okay. no. These aren't, they are not, talk shows aren't done now the way they were then. Okay. Then it was. Like, Mar- Oprah, Oprah did, did that. Oprah did that. Phil Donahue yeah, did that. Yeah, That's yeah. what those shows were based on. It was that format. Wow. Of, of you, you come up and you're talking to people on the stage, and then you go out and you take questions from the audience. How was it? It was really fun. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the business. I did the audience warm up. Yes. I would tell everyone. I didn't know there were audience warmups. I would. T- we would go to commercial, and I would have to keep go- getting the audience going. Yeah. Like, Anybody who asks a really exciting question gets this fossil watch. Yeah. Meanwhile, somebody told me I was not allowed to report how many hours I was working because uh. we shot three shows Thursday, three shows Friday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we did Man on the Street interviews all over San Francisco. But they wouldn't let me report my hours. They said if I reported how many hours I was working, they'd have to pay me more and they'd have to fire people. How much were you so making? So I was also bartending oh my God. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights oh my God. just so I could pay my rent. How much did you make per episode? It, that didn't even exist. How much did you make I per made, week? $200 a week. Oh, my God. For like seven episodes. $250 a week. <laughs> it wasn't by episode. made like 15 episodes. It, wasn't, it was not. Wow. We aired at one thirty in the morning, to be fair. How big I were I was the, being developed is what it's called. Number, okay, wait. Two questions. How big were the audiences? 100, 150 people. How did they fill the crowd? It was a very successful show. Nothing is shot in San Francisco. Did you so get we recognized? Did you get recognized by, around San Francisco? It started happening. It started happening after we were on the air for <laughs> maybe three weeks or four weeks. And when it, the first time it happened, I was oh, the first time it happened. I was having br- like brunch with a boyfriend and a new guy. Not 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 yeah, the guy yeah. I moved there yeah. with. He's history. Yeah. And we're fighting. Like I'm, I want, I'm like getting ready. It's the, it's the precursor to breaking up. Yeah, with yeah, him. It's yeah, that yeah, fight yeah. where yeah, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, I want to yeah, do it right yeah, now. Like, yeah, and then daring yourself, daring like, yourself. Stop talking, and I'll just get the check. And the check, the a waitress comes over and she says, um, "Some fans of yours paid the check." And I was like, oh, "What? What?" And and she said, "They don't want me to tell you who they are." No. And I'm like, "They've ne- th- so they've just watched me being a bitch yes. to my boyfriend, and they paid for my check. Like they love the Patchett show." And I'm like, Ooh. "Oh, my and god!" It freaked me yes. out. It freaked me out, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to do. But and also, everyone knew where I lived. I had done an interview with the San Francisco Times. You're like, Here's for my some address. reason, well, the journalist for some reason was like, uh, uh pissy like she's not from san francisco and she never will be but here's her show and she wrote my home address she said she came and picked me up at my home. So people were It's weird. I had a very rude interviewer last year in Alaska wrote the meanest shit. It's like they've already made up they already hate you before you've opened your mouth. And they're and it's like And it's all about them. Yeah and they got nothing to do with you. 
Uh, this guy wrote the rudest. What did he do? What did he say? I can't. You know, you know, you have it memorized. I actually don't have it memorized. Then you're healthy. Normally, you know what? That's amazing because I have to say, a few years ago, I would have memorized. Of course, it. you would. It would have. It was so degrading. Oh, I'm and sorry. Unnecessary. It was like, but I do remember the word coquettish was in there. It was like what? Like it was just. But is that necessarily bad? I, the way he wrote it. Well, the way was, he wrote it. It could be bad. From his, it could be from bad. His, it was just like it was to do with like stand up show. It was just like. He, it was just hateful. Some, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you know what? Sometimes people, yes, but so, so, some, so she put your home address. So there were, you know, people, people, questionable interactions with people and people waiting outside and people following you. And, and, um, I remember there was a guy at Chris for, at UTA that was like courting me who had discovered you. That was my first agent. Chris. Yeah. Chris, hold on. Hold on. Oh my God. He was courting me. Chris Colon. C-O-E-L-E-N. Chris Colon was courting me. And I remember he kept talking he about you. was great. You. I'm really sorry you didn't sign with him. That's a bummer. I fucked up, didn't I? No. No, no. your path is perfect the okay, way it great. is. Chris Colon also left the industry, left agenting, and became the first guy that was figuring out like branding. I Like he put the Pepsi logo on the Challenger. Like uh. I think he became – Bananas rich. Right. He probably bought Martha's Vineyard. Right. Chris Colin is fine. Got it. And okay. what he did was he lied. What do you mean? Back then, back in the day, I signed with him, moved to LA. Yeah. Am I going too far for No, I like okay. this. This is perfect. Moved to LA, signed with him. I had done the talk show. The talk show wasn't moving forward. Westinghouse bought CBS and in 95 or 96 CBS had its own stable of 20 something talk show hosts right. so our show was dead um, I, I signed with Chris Colin I moved to Los Angeles and <clears throat> my first uh I was going on just general meetings yeah and I went to a general meeting I had also I'd had my driver's license for maybe a week two weeks yes I went on a general meeting at NBC and was just talking to Nancy. I can't remember her last name. She was the head of casting for NBC. And while we were sitting there, she said, hold on a second. Marsha, what are you know, called her, gave me sides, said, go in the other room and work on these and come back in. And I was like, oh, I had never cold read. I didn't know what that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'd been yeah. doing plays in San Francisco. Right, yeah. So I go in the other room, work on the sides, come back in. And she goes, let's read it right now. And she's intense. And we're reading yeah, it. And she that's says, intimidating. Okay, uh, get in the car, follow me. And she's like, Helen, and calls this other woman. She's no. They make me follow them. It's the first time I've ever driven on the freeway. They make me follow them to Radford from the Burbank NBC follow offices. Follow me in a car. Follow me. In the, I had just bought a car. And it's also, by the way, kids, those people listening, uh, Google Maps didn't exist. There was this horrible oh, book Guide. called The Thomas Guide that was yeah. 78 pages long. It, it was like, 78? It was it's like 400 it was like, pages it was like grids. It was like grids and it was so yeah. confusing. So you see, if you so lost them, you would them. never oh, find I them again. Ne- I wouldn't know. I didn't know what they were talking about. They yeah. said we're going to Radford. Yeah. I was on the freeway behind them. Yeah. Shaking, like tears streaming down my face. I was yeah. so scared. I'd never driven on a freeway before. This is crazy. We pulled into Radford. It's your first I'm audition. Wiping first everything freeway. Off. Yeah, they're not getting out of the car yet. So I'm trying to do my makeup. I'm doing my makeup again in the car oh really God. fast. Oh, and they get out of the car and I get out and I'm like, hey. And they said, okay, follow us. We go into one of those bungalows. Yep. They go knock on the door, lean in. People are waiting in a waiting room, like waiting to audition. And they're like, come here, come here. No. They Open the door, order me in the room. Laura San Giancomo, who was famous from Pretty Woman, yes. is sitting there. And there are 15 
people in the room. Oh, my God. And the no. casting lady says, this is Paget. Paget. This is Laura. Uh, you're going to do the scene. Was so it, was it just shoot me? It was just shoot me. So I do the scene to play her best friend. That was because there was a character that I, it was. Yeah, I it remember, originally was a woman. I remember the sides, the breakdown. It wanted a Janine Garofalo type. I I got. I, I remember. I, I had remember, a crew cut back in the day. Everybody wanted a Janine Garofalo. Probably, type. yeah. And I don't know. I remember that. I remember that breakdown. I remember. Wow. Okay. Well, so, because it, it it came back a couple of times, and then it ended up going to David Spade. That's right. That that like that character was played by. So you so walk, I audition. Well, you I walk right in. I walk right into the audition. I audition, and they say, "Great, thanks." And I was like, "Okay," and I walk out, and I start walking to my car. And uh, uh, the someone comes running out, oh my God. going, "Where are you going? Where are you going?" And I was like, "I'm going to go home." And they said, "No, you have to sign the something." And I don't know what they're talking about. I think it's a sign-in sheet or something. I don't know. I have a pager. They hand me a contract. No. So I go to the. I said, "Can I use your phone?" And I called Chris Cullen at UTA, and I was like, "They want me to sign something." And he says, "Get in your car and get the fuck out of there." <gasps> and I was like, "But I, I think I did well. Like, I think they want maybe want me to come back." And he's like, "Don't sign a fucking thing. Get in your car. Get the fuck out of there." <gasps> okay. So I start walking to the car. They come mm-hmm. running back out again, and they're like, "You can't leave." And I was like, "I'm so sorry." I've just been told I've got to get the fuck out of here. I'm oh, sorry. And I, I drove away. It was. They wanted me to sign the test op. I wasn't. They'd never. They, nobody negotiated no, it. I, no, there wasn't any. I don't know what they wanted me to sign. Can we just recap? By the that time you got yeah. your first play that you auditioned for. <coughs> oh, I suppose this is pretty interesting. You're right. My first your, general your meeting, own, I auditioned your, your for. Your first a show. audition. The first time you auditioned for a play in New York. I didn't you walk in and right. you get it. You go in for one general meeting and they drive <laughs> you to Radford. No, I didn't drive myself. But they, but they like make you like have like a police. That escort. was that like was they, like like they, they go, drove me. They there. drove you because yeah, they were in front of me. They drove you right. to Radford because I didn't know where to go and cut the line, and then you got yes. chased out for a test deal that was not even negotiated. Correct. Wait, it gets wow. worse. I mean, better. Actually, this is amazing. So I didn't get to shoot me. Obviously, what happened was by the time I got home, Chris had called and left a message on my answering machine. I was so pissed off. Like I thought he had cost me a job. Like I might have gotten a job. He'd left this message. I can't remember what he said, but I was completely confused. So I called him and I was like shaking. Like, why did you tell me to leave? I think they were interested in me. And he was like, they are interested in you, but you don't sign anything unless I look at it first. Now I want you to just sit tight. Everything's going to be fine. What he did was NBC, those casting people went to Warren Littlefield and they were like, we saw this girl we like. My agent – NBC called UTA. My agent said to NBC, I don't know what happened. She's green. She just got here from San Francisco. But she's – we're in the middle of negotiating a talent deal with ABC. So she can't – she shouldn't have auditioned for – complete lie. Yes. NBC says, we'd like to sit down with her. If she's about to sign, we, before you sign anything with ABC, no. let our people sit down with her and let's talk to her. Chris fabricated a bidding war between oh NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox. Oh I met with I every network with president. I should have signed with them. I, I met with every with network president alone. And every time I got there, they were like, so are your people coming? And I was like, no, I don't have any people. It's just me. And they were – he knew exactly what he was doing. I Chris knew exactly what – he was brilliant. And, but that was back when you could lie. No one lies like – no one is a shark agent like that Did you like get a anymore. deal? Oh, yeah. 
I got a deal for a ton of money. It was a quarter of a million dollars. Wow! One year for Fox, and then before can that we, year was over, they signed me to another year. Can I just and then say after that I signed with CBS? Can I just say that means you never went on one audition? You walked into one general meeting. Okay, wait. All right, you walked into one general <laughs> yeah, meeting yeah, yeah. and had three back to back. You had three back to back development deals <laughs> for the f- next three years. You're right. That's okay. amazing. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's that's because my agent lied. That's because he was a great agent. It had nothing to there, do with you me. Lie. Lying is good, kids. Lying yeah. is good. I have to pee so badly. Can we take a two second pee? <laughs> yes. This is fascinating. Hold that thought. It's I'll be all right luck. back. Ooh, I don't know about you, but things are getting so hot in here. I think I got to take a pee break. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. We're back. Okay. Please, please let me clarify this. Please. It sounds like... It sounds like... Diamonds are fl- falling out of my vagina. With what I, I was auditioning and not getting anything. The thing that happened with the with that general meeting and then this whole bidding thing. Yeah, I was auditioning and not getting anything. I had very little experience. I'd gone to acting school, but I hadn't worked besides a play or doing a talk show in San Francisco. I had done a couple infomercials. I did like those those uh what, what are they called for banks? You walk around and you're it's like morale boosting and here at National Bank a corporate, we're trying to, a corporate a, a corporate a corporate thing. I'd done that. I was auditioning and not getting anything. And then the reason why when Chris lied to NBC and said ABC is about to sign her to yeah. a development deal, which existed back then. They don't really exist now. No, yeah, a lot of people had them. And NBC was like, well, we want a meeting with her. Then he called all the other networks and they all said, well, we want a meeting with yeah. her. And what he was doing was fabricating a frenzy for an unknown quantity. Yeah. All they had of me was was a tape of me doing a talk show in San Francisco. I didn't have an acting reel. I didn't have any, myself on camera doing anything. So it, all of those networks didn't want to miss out. It didn't matter I, what no, I was. I, I could have been a bunch of radishes if what if a network believed that another network was going to sign that bunch of radishes, no, they were going to have a meeting. I agree with you that I I feel like when I first started the first the first I went on a general and then I went in 
Uh, I went in a general at ABC in New York, and then I got sent to go read for a pilot, and then I read like seven times, and then they flew me out for a test deal, and then like seven more people wanted to test. Wow. Like, I think I actually think there's a magic when you're brand new, like the magic of the undiscovered. I actually think it's so much harder later. Yeah, when you're, it's like because there's always a new batch of the brand new turnips. Yeah. where it's like. There's something about people want to be the person that discovers this like hidden gem. Yeah. Where and and it and seems they're so afraid easy. of yeah. someone else discovering. Yeah. That. Yes. It's not because they can they can discover a dud anytime. Yeah. It will never see the light of day if it's a dud. Yes. But if they never even played ball. Yeah. To get that bunch of radishes, then they look like assholes. No, when you're brand new and you're the person that like I think that first year there's a magic and mm-hmm. it, i remember thinking like wow it's always going to be this easy and i was like oh <laughs> oh like and i do think that you have to get scrappy and be willing to like reinvent yourself like did it when did you ever have a slowdown like what like because you've gone kind of from back to back like well what what happened was i had that development deal with fox okay. and i shot a pilot and it didn't go and then i had another yep. development deal with fox that happened chris insisted in that second deal with fox that fox allow me to be a guest star on other shows. Oh, you couldn't do that in the first year? Not the first year. No, they own you and they pay you for the year. And then if your show gets picked up, half of your salary is returned to the network. Right. So they pay you a lump sum. Right. And then they recoup if your show goes forward. Right. So whatever you're being paid, you're only being paid half and the network is taking that money back. Right. Interesting. Which is still great. Yeah. I mean, it was still an ungodly amount of money. Right. When I was 20. Six yeah. twenty seven. Right. That was crazy. Right. So yeah, what year was that? That was nineteen nineteen ninety six. So I was twenty seven when all this happened. Yeah. Um. Then what happened? Then I oh so the so okay now you're gonna get mad. I'm not gonna. Okay, so the second deal at Fox. Meanwhile, I'm auditioning for movies and I'm not getting anything. The second deal with Fox, when Chris got them to agree I could guest star on another show, I auditioned for a show called Friends. And I got it. (laughs) And I did those. Oh, my God. It was supposed to be for one episode. I'm not mad. I love this. And then it ended up being sick. What did you play? I played Kathy, who Joey is dating, but Chandler falls for Kathy. Was it fun? And then it was great. Yeah. What season? I did season an episode. Four. I did one episode, season nine, season eight, yeah. season eight. You had so they were already like the height of like they were. Oh, already- it was the it was the biggest show in the world. Wait, you Katie really wants yeah, to ask us. So this happened in what year was that then? If it was Friends, was it two thousand ninety six? No, it was earlier than that. No, it was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Because I did two thousand one. It was right. I did right after nine eleven, and they had like the anthrax. They had like the anthrax drill when I did it, and so that was. Wait, I must eight. have done it in so ninety eight. Season eight. If I was in season four, then that was like ninety seven. Katie's gonna look it up because I don't know the timeline on this. Um, what was your favorite part? Who was your buddy on the set? Matthew Perry. He was the he was the nicest. Yeah, to me he had, and they were all honestly, they were all so shockingly nice. Yeah, they were all pissed off at Adam Schwimmer for the majority of the time I was there. Because David Schwimmer, David, Schwimmer. David. What did I say? Adam, Adam Schwimmer. Oh wow, Adam, David. He, nope. he could be an Adam Schwimmer. Um, yeah, no, David Schwimmer. They were mad at because he had made them do a fundraiser for his theater. Company, company. but they were genuinely all really good friends. Like they were, and they invited me to lunch, and I would go to the commissary with them, and like they were 
really, really nice. It was surprising. Okay. Um, it was 97. 97. Oh, it was 97. So it was one year. It was one year after I got here in 96. So I must have had the Fox deal 96. Yeah, I did. I had the Fox deal oh February God, or March. It's the first guest. It's amazing. Yeah. It is truly. Yeah. Pilot season 97 and then pilot season 98. I signed again with Fox and I must have done Friends I mean, in September. Is. Okay. So did you – I read somewhere that Hugh Hefner – Send you, sent you a handwritten letter on Conan offering you to be in Playboy. Is that true? Yes. I at – a, at a certain point, and I'm, I'm not really sure what year it was. I want to say 2004. Or two, Hugh, I went to Hugh Hefner's 80th birthday party. Oh so God. I don't know what year that was. Oh, my was. God. Did you go to the grotto? I did. I swam naked in the grotto. Oh my God. Um, I went to the I went to the Playboy Mansion twice, invited by Hugh yeah. Hefner. How was it? Because Holly and the girls all watched uh, Criminal. No, the girls watched a show I was on called Huff on with, Showtime with Hank Azaria and Oliver Platt. They loved Huff, so they invited me to the mansion, and I went. I love that they loved Huff. Yeah, I know. I was so surprised. That's, that's awesome. So I went to the mansion. The first time was just a regular, you know, what they do. They yeah. have like this weird buffet laid out, and I swam in the grotto. No, no, I, uh, the first time maybe I wasn't naked. I think the second time I swam in the grotto naked because, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Why not? How and, was it? Oh, it was fabulous. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, your, the, the thing that's under the cave yeah, that's yeah, underground. Yeah. I walked in. I brought my friend Justin Kirk, who's a guy friend. I love who, him. And he was. I love him. He's he a was, rascal. He was, he's, he was being a rascal he with these two chicks who so said fun. they were sisters. One was from like Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I the other him. one was from Helsinki. He and they were the saying br- they were sisters. He was the brother of Helsinki. The brother on weed. He, and he's such a fun Andy. rascal. He's like a. Fun. He's so talented. He's amazing. And he's such a rascal. Yeah. He's on Kidding this season with Jim Carrey. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And last season. What does he play? Um, he plays Judy Greer's husband, so Jim Carrey's ex-wife's new, or boyfriend. I'm not I sure thought the pilot, I auditioned married. for an episode towards the, I don't think it was the pilot. I think I had auditioned for like episode two or something. I thought it was really good. It was really yeah, interesting. It is. I don't know. It's a so wild I show. It. I bet it's wild. It, it's good. He's great. Um, So I went to the, I went to the Playboy Mansion with Justin the second time I went. Yeah. And I, uh, we split up, and I walked into the grotto, and there were people having sex in the grotto. Oh, this is exciting. And I, r- I ran out to find Justin yeah, to be yeah, like, yeah. "Dude, dude, dude!" People yeah, are coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to find him. He was just outside. I grabbed him. We come back in, and I just see, I just see the back of a rock door closing oh my with a security guard. The thing about the Playboy Mansion, I don't know what it's like now. Back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was run by the women. Men oh. couldn't. It was Amazonia. You couldn't oh. touch a woman. You couldn't – the women were responsible for everything. So you'd yeah. be like, get me a drink. They'd get you a drink. Go get me some uh, jalapeno poppers. The, you were – if if a guy even touched a woman uh. without her touching him first, a guard was there and that guy was out. There were security. Wow. It was the most – Because part of me – and I think that's why I swam naked the second time. You're I was like, like this safe. is totally safe. safe. So I took like dollar bills out of my purse – Tucked my purse in the grotto wall and just swam out, you know, tits up and handed tip money to a couple of guys to get drinks for me and Justin. Yeah, Justin was – he'd seen me naked, all right? We were exes, but like yes. totally just friends at this that's point. A fun that's why ex. I was able to be na- that's a naked fun, in front that's of That's a fun ex. That's Always the best, ex. yeah. So um, it was fun. But I didn't pose naked. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I think it's – 
it's yeah i couldn't do it i think what they're doing now it seems like 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 the reinvention i mean just the covers and stuff i like this sort of fun art i haven't seen it since it, it's now it's it's like kind of it it's kind of like i feel like it's christina they're kind of like trying to make it more appealing to the millenn- like millennials it's less dirty and like i think a little cooler and more arty i don't know but it's no i think it's underpants and maybe topless yeah it's not as it's not as i feel like it's almost like somewhat in a weird way kind of old-fashioned but like i don't know maybe oh, I'm like not. camera club maybe i think it's kind of like it feels like they've been trying to get cool i huh. don't know um okay so you dated justin let's talk guys what do you wish you could say to your twenty-five-year-old Paget? What have you? What did you? What like? What was your? What was your um, Achilles' heel with guys? Like, what was? I had. I would date guys that would like hit on my friends or like were threatened. They would like like me at first, but then they'd be competitive with me about my career. You know what I mean? Like, it was hard to find a guy that could handle what I did. Did you ever have a hard time with that? Um, because you're married to a nice guy now. My guy is the best. You're right a really now. nice yeah. guy. So the you know the 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 homework card answer would be I don't regret anything because it got me where I am now. But what what would you? No, I think I was. Uh, I I lived with a, an actor for six years okay. in L.A. Okay, who I met fairly recently while I was shooting Friends. Okay. We met and we started living together, and he sort of lost his way. The more successful I got, the more he was having a hard time with it. And, and it's it, hard for it, two actors. It ended badly, and then from that point on, really, I think I was very unhealthy. Okay. And my choices were um, – the men were fine. Yeah. It was – I was never – I was in and out in three-month increments. Yeah. For uh, how long? Fifteen years. I mean, yeah, yeah. I and it was like visiting the zoo. Yeah, you would if you lined up the guys I dated next to each other. You would be like, there is an absolutely nothing linking any of these people physically or <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spiritually yeah. or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except they were they were all nice and funny. Like yeah. they were all very different and wrong for me, but great guys. Yeah. But I was doing it to myself. Yeah. Because I didn't want anyone. I didn't. I guess ultimately I didn't want a partner. I didn't. I was terrified someone was going to tell me what to do and yeah. what I was allowed to do, and what I and I was not going to let anyone in. I was not going to let anyone in. I used to cut and run a lot. I would cut and run, <sighs> and I I did not. Don't rein me in. You don't you control me. I'm I, the boss here. Yeah, I am out of here. What was Ugh. different when you met Steve? Um, n- not much. Uh, I mean, I met Steve. I've known. I met Steve. We've been together ten years. We've been married five years. Last week, we. I met him. I knew him for a year and a half or two years as friends with Matthew yeah. before anything romantic happened. But I was. Uh, I was. Uh, 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 we were hanging out because Goobler was. Um, Goobler was lightheartedly dating a friend of mine. Yeah, and. Uh, Googler would always bring Steve on like dates with yeah. people. There's a very funny um, Garfunkel and Oates song called uh, You and Me and Your Friend Steve that is about <laughs> Matthew and Steve. So Steve was always going. So I would end up hanging out with my female friend and Googler and Steve would show up. And so then Steve and I were essentially on double dates oh without 
So they weren't trying no. to fix you up. It's no, just he it always, was just Steve it was just that they wanted to make it more social and less not like a big heavy date thing. Yes. So we would go ahead. Then Steve and I started making out, and I was like, "Oh, this is so stupid." He's yeah. twelve years younger than I am. He's a musician. Yes. he's new in town. Love I'm a this. fucking bitchy old broad. It's yes. gross. People are gonna think I'm his mom. Like I was I so, love this. and I was bad. I was really I. Pushed him away and yeah. I told him we would never be serious. Yeah. And it couldn't go any further. And then I, I love this. I can't we can't then we started hanging out and, and just kissing and, and then how he I, handle it when you would say that? What was he like, I'm not afraid of you and totally, completely nothing to prove, confident. He was like, Whatever, lady, yeah, say whatever you exactly. want. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Okay, lady. Whatever. Oh, yeah. I need a sexual timeout. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Where did you get married? We got married in Hollywood at uh, the, uh, what was it called? Um, the uh, Oh, it's gone now. It was a little hotel um, on Vine Street that now has been turned into some kind of smaller Soho house sort of I know thing. what you're talking about. The Redbury. It was I called know the that. Redbury I like hotel. that building. Yeah. I like that. And there was – what? It's gone, yeah. It was the Redberry Hotel, and there was a, a cute place. like a bar area called the library that was just like a little library with a little bar. Yeah, our wedding our wedding was fourteen people. Yeah, it was my mom and dad, brother and sister, Steve's brother and his wife and son, and his mom and dad, and Matthew Gray Goobler from Criminal Minds oh who God, introduced us. He was our. Did you efficient. wear a wedding dress? I did. I wore my mom's wedding dress. Oh, yeah. did you go on a honeymoon? Boy, not for another year. That's all right. I'm te- I'm terrible at planning. Okay, wait a minute. Um, brother and sister, tell me about your brother and sister. Are you tight with them? Yes, yes. They Who, just had older? a baby. My brother is two and a half years younger. And then your sister? He is, oh, I don't have a sister. Sorry. He his, his wife, wife his Catherine, wife. is okay. my sister-in-law. And you're tight with him. Yes. What's he like? And we have been. He's uh, what's his he's name? a rascal. His name is Ivan. Yeah, he's a rascal. Uh, and his wife is Catherine, and they just had a baby boy named Charlie. Yeah. And they live in Dumbo, which is gorgeous. Yeah. And it was rough when they moved in. Like, they have paid their dues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a designer. She works for her brother's hedge fund yeah. uh, company called Blue Sand Investments. Fancy. Um, and they cook and they travel a lot. They're very – they're far more fashionable and fancy 
than Steve and I, who yeah. were kind of nerdy homebodies. I love, but, but I, they're really like tall and beautiful, and ex- like they go, pl- they travel, and they have fabulous dinner parties that look like photo shoots. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're That's insane. my friends in Brooklyn are like that. They, oh. I feel like they like like just whip things. They like just throw a pie in the oven, and like they, they're it's like an Edison bulb everywhere they go. Like yes. that that whole world. Yes. They listen to NPR and make like Cornish yes. game heads. Yes, uh, and they go on like hiking. Yeah, they're just like they're great. Like, yeah, they, it's they incredible. Just, but I don't have the energy there. for it. I'm so I, impressed. Um and. Your parents live in Maine. My parents live half of the year in Maine. Uh, in the in the summer, uh, sorry, spring and summer they live in Maine, and in the fall and winter they live in Florida because it just gets it's too, so cold. Maine is yeah, so it's cold, freezing. and their their house, which they bought in nineteen sixty eight before I was born, uh, was built in eighteen seventy something. So it is a drafty. It's it gets too cold no, to it, live. It's it, they're not weatherproof. No. Would, okay, I have three final <laughs> questions. Number one. How has it been? How do you feel with Criminal Minds ending? Like, like how? How? What do you? What do you hope to do? What? What do you? How are you feeling? Uh, State of the Union. Uh, State of the Union. Um, I I feel great. Yeah. I appreciate that Criminal Minds uh, has ended because I think we did a good job, and I think we ended positively. Yeah. And I think we all have other things to do, and I think fifteen seasons it's is a lot. great. When you did a lot of comedy, well, I, mean, I left like, for four years, yeah, and went back for the last four seasons. So yeah, and all, and I wanted to do comedy. You know, when you do that, you know, tough FBI people are dying, and no, oh, there's hearts in jars. Well, you, and, you had done, you came from the comedy. World, yeah, I'd only like, done you only did comedy. And, yeah. So it, did you did you find that like coming off of that? Because I, sometimes I feel like this business like. It's the last thing you did is the thing that people remember. Like, yeah, of course. Was it was it hard to come off and be like, I want to do comedy again, or or were people like, we know you do comedy and that's fine? Um, I think because I really was aware that when Criminal Minds ended, I wanted to pursue comedy. I've tried my best to keep my foot in it, and part of that is doing. Will you accept this rose oh my with God. you? Such a with joy. Doing, doing thrilling adventure. Um, doing the, the doing drunk history. Just doing. Yeah. What are fun things that don't pay that I like that you yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just smart. want it to be enjoyable. I don't. Yeah. Um, so I knew when Criminal Minds ended that I was going to pursue that, and I was really lucky that I, I got a couple of episodes of Mom, which is a multicam that I haven't <gasps> done in ages. I love both. I've never met. So it was. That's actually not true. I met very briefly Anna Ferris and um, Allison, Jenny, and I, they're. Uh, they were lovely. It's crazy. I mean, both of them. All are of them are so talented. All of them. I, I just. What did you? What do you play on the show? I played Anna's boss, this bitchy Adderall addicted uh, lawyer. Great. Great. So I'm hoping I'll go back, but I don't know. You know, the, that show has set, you know six main women, and who are the other William women? William Fichtner on? plays Allison's I husband. Love him. And he's amazing. I love him. It's a it's a big show. It's a big cast. So I, I don't know how much they need guest stars. I don't know if I'll be going that's back. They fun, said though. it's possible. I don't know. That's so. fun. Okay. Okay. Number two. This is a very important final question. Oh, I'm scared. You're getting out of the limo. Oh. First night at the Bachelor. What it, What do you wear? First night at the Bachelor. Oh, you're getting out of the limo. I'll tell you. I wear a. What do you wear? I wear a mini dress in the front that has a train in the back. 
a high low. I wear, I wear, I, I panic and I make an error and I wear a high low because I, I fucked up and I've panicked and then I want to show my legs. But you have then beautiful legs. I want to show my legs, but then I don't want to wear a mini dress and I panic and I wear like a mullet dress and then I try and execute some kind of like a, like a, like a barrel roll or a move. I try and make a move up to the bachelor and <gasps> it doesn't necessarily go as well. But like, I, like I really explode out of the car that, but I then look back and I think I shouldn't have worn the mullet dress. I keep tripping on the train. Oh, no. That's what, what do you wear getting out of the limo? Anna's going to wear a gown that children have to carry because it's so heavy. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's not a good first impression. Yeah. Erin's going to wear a football outfit and she's going to come out <gasps> and have take off the helmet and have like flowing hair, but have like black paint. The black lines under her yes, eyes. And she's going to spike the ball and then like knock the teeth out of the bachelorette because she's on the bachelorette. Oh, my God. What do you wear getting out of the limo? Okay. I am going to wear yeah a silver yes full body leotard yeah with a hood yes. with wrap around yes. black shades yes. wait I love it I am in I love this so one much one of those yes Cabo San Lucas ocean balls yeah. like a hamster wheel where yeah. you run on the ocean yes. no one's done that. Yet. Yes. No so I just pedal up like a silver <laughs> grandma hamster. Yes. That's and he so can't good. hear me, and I'm like, <laughs> that's so good. Nobody's done that yet. That's a great idea. I feel like that really shows who I am. I like the wraparound <laughs> shades and the like, Anna's dying. Yeah. Katie, I forget. Katie, what were you wearing again? Well, you said for Peter. Oh, for Peter. For, for Peter. Peter. She's just, just an airplane. Okay, how about just for uh, generic? Let's say for generic Ben Higgins. What do you wear for Ben Higgins? I don't know. I mean, I honestly would just want to wear like pajamas and be like pajamas and be like, if you can accept me like this, then you accept me because this is what I like to wear. Outstanding. Track pants. Has anyone done that? No. No. Because that's the way to go. I would love to just literally like track pants and a fucking hoodie and just be like, bitch, this is it. Like, sorry. That's great. Smart. Now, I know this will come out later. Because and I hope you guys have paused and gone and bought uh, b- bought your the book. No. But go buy a little little Miss Little Compton book. It's such a fun read. Sorry, what's the name again? I want to make sure I get it right. It's called Little Miss Little Compton because I'm from Little Compton, Rhode Island. Guys, if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you enjoy the book. And I it, can't wait. It's a pre order. Apparently, I want to. My dream is to be on the bestseller list. You have to sell eight thousand copies. Apparently, it's all about the pre sales. So you got to be do, done. It's all we can do it. That's what I'm saying. We can do it. It's 8,000 is the number. I can order it on three Kindles. <laughs> we got three Kindles. I don't share with my mom. That's right. There you go. You can get one for your mom. You can order one. And one for mom, one for Steve, one for me. Consider it Consider it like a present that you send to your future self, that you like yourself enough in 2020 to give yourself a present that is going to come this fall, and you're going to go, oh my God, thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for sending that to myself. I appreciate that Sarah liked herself enough to send it. Okay. I know that this will be airing later. I'm very excited to do the draft picks with you and Kirsten. Yeah. How do you say her last name properly? Vangsness. 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 Yes. Um, And 
I might actually make people go down the line and say their outfit. So remember your outfit. Or you can change it. Oh, my now outfit. No, why would I change that? That's I don't perfect. Think, I think it is perfect. I think – so we'll need to hear what Wells is going to wear. Oh. Even though he already did it. But maybe we'll have him go last. He had a he had the backup singers. He had – what is it? Who, he had – he brought a he brought a band with him. He brought a band with him. Oh, in real life, he did. Yeah. That's right. It was a four top, and then like I need to know what Lance Bass would wear, and then I need to know what Rob Benedict would wear. Yeah, I just got excited saying Rob Benedict. I can't wait to do this. This is going to be so much fun. And then we're also having our our sketch fest show. Um, Paget, is there anything else that you feel like? You just want everybody to know? No, did I? No, I satisfy your. I gotta tell you, the- above and beyond, this has been a because it wasn't. I it's. I actually, I'm so surprised. It sounds like I really lucked into some great <laughs> shit. Not at all. I, and I, I'm excited about that. And I can see how writing a book would be so eye opening that you are able to look back it at your life, been looking through a different lens. I, I can't imagine. Say, well, and it's also the rewriting process, like. I wrote it and then I've had to keep combing through it. Like I've been reading it. Like I'm so ready to turn, close the chapter. And by the way, by the time this airs, this is long gone. I'm actually turning it in tomorrow. But like, like I'm so ready to be done with it. But it is, it forces you. It's just so interesting because you're like all this, like I have all these funny friends and I was just saying this to Aaron. Like I have all these funny friends that I've gotten to know because of the podcast Mm -hmm. and in life. You know, it's you very really sit down and like really like like what makes you you and like how did you do this and nobody I knew grew up in the industry or had any connections yeah. or like so it's just it's been so fascinating just to hear everyone's journey. You you and I are the first two that were not popular. Uh, Rob was popular. Oh, I believe that. Wells was popular. Yeah. Aaron was popular. But they deserve it, and I bet they ruled kindly. I agree with you. You know what I mean? There's no way they were popular because they were rich or they were popular because they their father was powerful. Like yeah. the, the kind of popular people that we dealt with in the school <laughs> yeah. that we went to, yeah. it was a very different thing. It was a different and thing. I, and I, all Except three for John of Viner, those people, who was I popular because he was fu- funny. He was, the only, he was the one. You guys, what a joy. What a journey. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into Feeling Thorny. And Feeling Thorny. Um, thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you, Padgett Brewster. For thank you, Arden. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Anna. We love you. Okay, you guys. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, yeah. Gonna get all up in you tonight. It feels so good. I just got one little question for the girl. Will you accept this rose? Oh, will you accept this rose into your world? Oh, will you accept this rose into your This Rose is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.